everybody, welcome to episode 11 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special <laughs> focus on the SCG Tour. Uh, we are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, and with me as always is SCG Mainstay, GP finalist, and published SCG author, Collins Mullen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I stop saying at least one, one of those at some point. But. Yeah, published SCG author kind of makes it sound like I'm like a regular writer, I guess, but... Yeah, uh, guest guest columnist. Guest columnist, I think, would probably be more accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you just needed to win, like, three more matches this past weekend, and you certainly would have had another article. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we almost got, you know, close, but... Well, day one went great. Day one went pretty much as well as I could have expected, for sure. For, for those unaware, uh, last weekend I went up to Louisville with a pretty sweet brew. Um, <laughs> and I think part of it was kind of the result of me not really having any idea what to do in modern yep. um, in terms of like good solid metagame choice i was just kind of a little lost i knew that titan shift was not a good spot good call on that because it did not do well this yeah weekend. right so i think that i got that one down pretty well but i just didn't really have like a good deck i tested a lot of things i tested mono white eldrazi or not not eldrazi mono white death and taxes just regular old Abzan, some weird things. I tested Enduring Ideal, which was kind of like an off-the-wall shot at, like, maybe this is really well-positioned right now. Turns out the deck is just bad. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Um, And then the other deck that I played a bunch with and just kind of got hooked on was this Goryeo's Vengeance, Benjvine, Death Shadow deck. I mean, that just sounds like a bunch of words yes, put together. Yes, right. The, the, you know, if you think of all those cards, you, you don't really think of them in the same package, but I, we threw them in a package. I saw a deck list that was playing... It was essentially the Deathvine list that we saw Todd Anderson play a couple weeks ago. Yep. It was playing just like a Death Shadow Thoughtseize with the Faithless Looting Hollow One uh, Bingevine package. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like a beatdown deck. But this deck that I saw threw in... Gory's Vengeance and Grizzlebrand, because all you really need to make those function are the looting spells that you're already playing. Right. So I was like, hey, this might be good. So I started playing it on Magic Online last week and was doing surprisingly well with it. I was just killing people. You know, sometimes you kill people on turn two and you reanimate your Grizzlebrand. The problem initially was that they weren't just dying when I reanimated my Grizzlebrand. It was like, all right, I'll hit you for seven, draw seven cards... And then I should be able to win from here. Yeah. Kind of deal. I felt like a lot of the time it just needed a little extra punch. So the thing that I actually ended up doing was I threw in four Simeon Spirit Guides. Mm-hmm. So that I could have the potential to do more things on the turn that I'm drawing a bunch of cards. Okay. Um, and what that kind of unlocked was you can draw a bunch of cards, draw 14 even, pitch a Spirit Guide to Faithless Looting, cycle a Street Wraith, and then you're casting all of your... Hollowed ones. And in theory, you're pitching binge vines to that. So, in theory, you can be attacking with not only your Grizzlebrand, but also like two binge vines on the same turn. Sure. And then they're just very dead next turn because you've got four four power creatures in place. Yeah. And tough to kill you through your several hollowed ones or whatever. Right, right. So, I thought that was like a pretty good addition to the deck that I had made. And I started winning a lot more once I had done that just because the deck became a little more explosive. 
So I figured, hey, you know, I've been, A, having a lot of fun playing this deck, because it's sweet and it's doing a lot of crazy fun things. Mm -hmm. And B, maybe this Spirit Guide addition to the deck was actually just what it needed. So I decided to take it to Louisville and, and watch my deck tech from on the Star City website, if you want to see that. And I did relatively well day one. It, went, it made it into day two on a record of seven and two, the minimum of what you want in order to have a good shot at right. a top eight. But day two didn't go nearly as well for me. <laughs> and I, I kind of was reintroduced to the the fact that it's a pretty high variance deck. And yeah. it just wasn't running well. And I ran into more graveyard hate on day two than I think that the deck could really reasonably beat. Wasn't able to put up any kind of result there. But still, the deck was very sweet. I, I don't regret playing it this past weekend. I probably won't play it again, but I had a lot of fun, and I think that it was worth at least, you know, giving a shot for the weekend. Yeah, you got a deck tech out of it and stuff. Right, yeah, you know. <laughs> it's not nothing. Yeah. Um. I mean, so did that mostly come from a place of, like, I don't really know where to attack the format from, like, disruption-wise, so I just want to do something assertive and unexpected, I guess? Yes. I think that that kind of sums it up a little bit, is that I didn't have, like... Normally when I'm going to a tournament, I like to have like a pretty good read on what I expect to see, mm -hmm. and I can approach it from that angle. But this weekend, for some reason, I just couldn't really pin down where Modern was at, and just decided to do something inherently very busted, and like a new kind of thing that people probably wouldn't expect for the weekend. Okay. So, I think, yeah, that was like the fundamental reason why I ended up making that decision to play that deck, and that it was... Sweet. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. It doesn't uh, hurt. For sure. So, I mean, what, what we did see from this weekend was that, yeah, that... So there was one Eldrazi and Taxes deck in the top eight. Yeah. But a lot of these, you know, sort of linear disruptive decks, the Eldrazi and Taxes, Eldrazi mm -hmm. Tron, uh, Mono White, Death and Taxes, like, didn't... We didn't see that much success out of them. The most successful disruptive strategies that we saw were really just kind of old school relying on thought seizes and inquisitions of Kozilek. So like lots of Jun, lots of Death Shadow. Yes. Tom Ross with an eight rack deck in, right. in top eight. Yeah, and I um I probably should have been able to see that coming. Something like that is hard to see as you're testing online, mm -hmm. for example, like over the course of the week. In theory, I knew that because modern is cyclical and rotates, the wheel rotates always on like what the best deck is, right? right. We were in a position where the best deck were kind of like more degenerate um, strategies like Valakut and things that like would beat up on the mid-range decks. And then that kind of rotated a little bit where, and I was definitely experiencing this when I knew that Valakut was no longer good, was that the format got much faster, people were ready to kind of go under the Valakut decks, mm -hmm. people wanted to speed up with like Affinity and Burn and a bunch of stuff like that. And I remember seeing that over the course of the weeks kind of leading up to Louisville, and I think that Modern actually rotated once more going into Louisville. Mm -hmm. Now that there's a bunch of linear, fast, aggressive decks, the next rotation is kind of a slightly more disruptive mid-rangey package with Jeskai Control, Jund, Abzan, stuff like that. And we definitely saw a lot of those decks have a lot of success in Louisville, where they were ready to beat up on the Affinity decks, the Aggro decks. The Storm decks. The Storm decks that were preying on Valakut for a while. Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely where Modern was at, at for this past weekend, at least. Right, and then the decks that prey on those Jun decks tend to be decks that get bigger, decks that are a little bit less delicate 
because right. they're not trying to kill Coit as quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that means that we're going to see Valakut immediately resurge. I don't think that it's quite time for that because it looks like there's a healthy amount of burn and storm and elves and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. There were a lot of elves um, yeah. this past weekend, which I saw, which was interesting. Um, elves was another deck that I tested past week, but either I was just very inexperienced with the deck or the deck wasn't as good as I ho- hoped it was, but I just couldn't really win as many matches with elves. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, people tend seem to like it, and it was having a lot of success over the weekend. So, yeah, and I I think it would be worth spending a bunch of time trying to break this down and figure out exactly where to go from here. If right. standard worked so much more, <laughs> yes, ready to ready to be talked about and, and exciting changes. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, we can kind of bookmark that and then kind of shift our focus to what's new and exciting now, which is. Definitely the new standard set. We're, yeah. we're coming up on a standard rotation, which is always exciting. We're losing a bunch of sets, and we're gaining Ixalan, which seems to have some pretty interesting stuff. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, really, the main thing here, you know, there's certainly going to be playable cards in Ixalan. There's going to be decks that didn't exist before, but the main thing from this rotation is we're losing four sets, Yeah, uh, including two large sets, uh, and that's, that's a massive rotation. So I think... As, as we've mentioned before, the best thing for us to do right now is go over what we're losing and how we think that's going to start shaping the meta. Right. So I, I've kind of listed several things out, starting with the most recently relevant yeah. packages of cards. Sure, sure. You made the semifinals of GP Washington <laughs> with a, a deck that ramped into Ulamog. Yes. Uh, and that stuff is gone. <laughs> he's going away, and I'm very sad. Ulamog was very good to me, but it's time for him to go. We're losing... Kind of all of the Eldrazi in the yep. format. You know, Thought Not Seers, Ulamogs, World Breakers, the lands that went along with that, Shrine of the Forsaken Gods, and Sanctum of Ugin. Mm-hmm. All that's kind of now part of standard past, <laughs> where, <laughs> you know, as much as I love casting Hour of Promise, it's probably going to be much more tricky to find a deck that wants Hour of Promise. Yeah. I mean, and we've got things to ramp into, possibly. Stuff like you know, big dinosaurs, Gishas mm-hmm. Sun's Avatar, but they don't give the same dimension as an Ulamog does as, yeah. as a breaker in slower matchups. Yeah, you really want the cards that you're ramping into to end the game yeah. on their own. And as good as some of these dinosaurs are that we've seen so far, you know, the best one that we've got is A, three colors, which makes things difficult a little bit, mm-hmm. and B, I just don't know how impactful he's going to be on his own. The Kind of the problem with him is that he comes down, so say like best case scenario, he comes down, you hit your opponent for 7, you trigger his ability, which says, whenever he deals combat damage to a player, remove that many cards from the top of your library, put any number of dinosaur creature cards from among them uh, onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library. So in order for him to be like super effective, you your deck has to be full of a bunch of dinosaurs. Right, and if you're running a bunch of Hour of Promises and Gifts of Paradise. Right, so, yeah, the problem is that, you know, if we had, like, a bunch of ramp dinosaurs that could fill up the deck, mm-hmm. then that could work, I guess, and then you just, like, have this guy and a bunch of, you know, kind of smaller ramp dudes in play. But even that just doesn't seem as powerful. No, um, it doesn't. So, yeah, he's just... I, th- I think that he is probably... N- not really going to see much standard play, if I had to guess. Eight mana is just too much if you're not ramping, and I just can't see him fitting into a ramp shell, unfortunately. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you know, possibility in a non-hour of promise, like a more dedicated dinosaur deck, want to one or two at the top end if they're, you know, running a ton of 
in sort of incidental rampy cards. Right. There, there is the three mana two three that has enrage rampant growth, and it's possible. Oh yeah. Right. You know, if you savage stomp with that, which if you have a dinosaur out as one mana, put a plus one plus one counter on a guy, make him fight a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to get a lot of value. So that guy might be playable, but I, I don't think that this sort of Three mana ramp spell into Hour of Promise into giant payoff card right. is a strategy we have available to us yeah. right now. Unfortunately, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So so right. And um, and we've also lost the ability to sideboard into Oblivion Sowers for matchups where negate is a thing, uh, and that's you know that that's a big loss even if it only sort of came out as a thing in this past tournament. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so another thing that we've lost a lot of are kind of the zombie enablers. Mm-hmm. Cryptbreaker, Relentless Dead, Diagraph Colossus, Dark Salvation, all of the cards that make that debt work. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. So zombies effectively gone. I, I think it's just dead. Yeah. I mean Liliana's Mastery is a great card, but you're not Yeah. You're not doing it the way you were with Cryptbreaker. Yeah. If we just lost Relentless Dead, the deck would be fine. Yeah. The rest of these cards though are just too important. Right, for sure. You know, Zombies is definitely a very powerful archetype, so it will be interesting to see what kind of, you know, metagame comes out after that's gone. That we're just kind of have to move on past that one. Yeah, the only way I could see it being a thing is if it manages to morph into something much more beatdown oriented, mm-hmm. like maybe Black White with Wayward yeah. Servant. Because you're kind of losing all of the, like, super explosive grindy cards. Right. Like Dargaloth Colossus making a bunch of tutus. Crypt Breaker. Drawing you five cards over the game. Yeah, right. So those are kind of just like very important parts of the machine there. Yeah. Those are going away. Yeah. You know, we we didn't see as much zombies later uh, in the format, but it was one of the decks that was capable, if if built towards it, to prey on mono red, and that deck is just gone. Yeah. So I think these things are important to note. Uh, One other thing that's important there is, um, and I, I think this is just a general fact about the format and and one thing that should always be paid attention to in a new format is uh the removal spells that are present Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's another thing that zombies would be losing is grasp of darkness other cheap removal spells that are going so grasp the cheap white removal spells uh, blessed alliance emulating glare stasis snare declaration in stone Uh, white decks just don't have cheap removal available to them Anymore. Full stop. Yeah. There are wraths. There's just no efficient, good way to deal with creatures. Right. They had a lot of options before. Yeah. yeah, I think that the decks that get hit by that the most are probably, like, the blue-white control decks. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to play, like, approach in a control shell, that's going to be much more difficult, I think. I think yeah. that you'd probably have to reach out into three colors. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do that, you'd probably want to be, like, a Jeskai control deck, because... I think red right now definitely has access to the most powerful removal spells it does. from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that red is at the top of the heap on, on the point removal. Right. Um, lightning Strike, Abrade, I mean, Shock is very good right now, too. Uh, yeah. And Hardness Lightning, of course. Mm-hmm. Those all have one very specific weakness, uh, that being that they don't kill Hazaret. They are definitely all situational to that extent, for sure. And, and they're uh, also weak against Ripjaw Raptor. Yeah. We're in a an odd position where it comes to removal, I think. Yeah, it is interesting because Hazaret's one of those cards where a lot of the like removal spells that Hazaret specifically was afraid of are gone. Yep. Blessed Alliance, Scraps of Darkness, Declaration in Stone, Stasis Snare. Those were all cards that could hit Hazaret, and they're all going away. Yeah, um, I don't think you can get rid of him at a mana advantage anymore. Or her. Hazaret's a girl, right? I think so. Yeah, the yeah the only one that I know that you can get rid of her... Well, I guess Doomfall... That's true. Is kind of like one of the only ones, but you know that is requires her to be only creature on the battlefield. So. Right, and and Doomfall 
I feel is significantly weaker. Not that this was really a deck that, that made a huge splash, but Doomfall was a lot more powerful when you were able to pair it with Goblin Dark Dwellers. Mm -hmm. Just having that modal spell that's that whatever mode is good early, use early, and then whatever mode is good late, you can use then. Right. Without Dark Dwellers, I'm a little less excited to put that three mana spell in my deck. Yeah. It's definitely not the most efficient spell. Yeah. I think Hazard's stock has risen pretty significantly, and it right. was already reasonably high to start out with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely Hazret's probably pretty good. So the other, another deck that's lost a lot of stuff that has been pretty prevalent has been is uh, Mardu. Yep. Mardu. It doesn't it doesn't lose any of the cards that that you sort of oh yeah Mardu Heart of Kirin and Toolcraft Exemplar, but it loses the cards that kind of like make the deck work. Right. Yeah. So Thraven Inspector was a pretty big piece of turning on the artifact synergies there. Yep. Gideon, of course, was very good. We it was interesting though because we kind of saw decks going away from Gideon a little bit. In, Specifically, in favor, however, of Thought Not Seer, which is another card that we're losing. Right, and I um, I don't see any four mana cards that like fit in that slot in the the new format that are going to perform either of those roles. Right. So yeah, I think Mardu. There might still be a pretty good Toolcraft Heart deck. Sure. Uh, do we have Scrap Heap Scrounger still? Yes, I think so. We yeah, do we still have Scrap Heap Scrounger. Because, um, right, we still have all of those. We've got Scrap Heap, we've got Heart of Kirin, we've got Toolcraft. So, like, those cards in and of itself, very powerful. Yep. Uh, we're not losing all the Planeswalkers, so we're going to have some stuff for that for Heart if we want it. Right, if you have to use Little Gideon, yeah. that may still be good enough to be a deck. Maybe. He he seems a little less beat-down-y than I think people want him to be. It's true. Like, sure, he attacks as a 4-4, but he just... You know, his primary mode is actually locking down a creature. Right. He's very good at keeping creatures on board in preparation for a wrath effect. Right. Right. If like if we're looking at you know trying to be a beat down toolcraft deck, he's not. He doesn't yeah. fit nearly as well. The problem is we we might just be losing too many artifacts for for that. I have heard people mention, well, I'm just going to replace the Thraven Inspectors with Bomac Couriers and it's going to be fine, mm -hmm. which. I don't think is unreasonable, but it does take away a huge dimension of the deck. Like you can't turn around and be a slow, you know, a slower mid-range card advantage planeswalker deck and keep Bomat Courier. <laughs> yeah, it, it right. You really want to be hellbent for that card. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, maybe maybe there is just kind of like a maybe it doesn't have that like transformational sideboard anymore. Maybe right. it's just like purely an aggressive deck. Yep. That is trying to you know kind of unload its hand. Yep. And I mean, Bomat Courier is a little bit better at you know, enabling the Spire of Industry shenanigans than Thraven Inspector was. So if you build right. your deck to be a Bomat Courier deck, really maximizing unlicensed disintegration in a way right. that we maybe haven't seen, yeah. then then I think that may, depending on how the format plays out, that may be the way you want to go. For sure. Yeah, definitely something to look into. And, you know, we've got some new kind of spicy red aggressive cards with... The card I'm thinking about is... I think it's Charging Monstrosaur. He, uh, he might just be a limited card, but his effect is just really powerful if you've ever played against a reality slasher you know um you kind of understand how quickly that can turn the corner yeah definitely. like if you're in a, if you're ever in a racing situation your opponent plays a five five trample haste for five then it's it's bad news for you <laughs> it's very bad right news. and if they're if their first couple of turns were like um you know hit you with the heart of kieran hit you with the toolcraft hit you with the heart of kieran you're, you're dying pretty quickly. So, yeah. And if the white decks don't have stuff like Immolating Glare or Stasis Snare to stop that initial attack, mm -hmm. you know, they're relying on a counterspell to keep from getting that first 
five damage in, and that's right. That's not as likely to happen, especially yeah. against an aggressive deck. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. They're definitely going to be caught in a spot where they need to counter that, and they need to uh, deal with the threats already on the board because yeah. you know those are probably going to get under them. So I would be surprised if there were no Hearts of Kieran in the metagame. Yeah, that's uh, just such a powerful card. Yeah. We'll see what kind of shell that people find for him. Yeah, my and my feeling really is that it probably has to lean towards a more aggressive, less adaptable build than Mardu, just kind of focused on, on getting your opponent dead. <laughs> yeah, right, right, for sure. Um, which, hey, I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do like some aggressive decks. I mean, sure. especially when you don't really know what the format's going to be like, just kill your right. opponent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, definitely week one tips for standard is be proactive. Play something very inherently strong because you're probably just not going to know what you're going to face against. Yeah. So you except you will face mono red. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll definitely get to what we expect to see week one for yeah. sure. So so maybe I should have organized this so we talked about this with the removal, but kind of like two of the basic things that I really like to look at for a new format are like number one, what kind of removal is available? Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about that. And number two, you know, what are your mana capabilities in this format? And so we're losing the Innistrad lands and the Zendikar lands, which I don't think are that huge of a deal since we're getting them replaced by uh, the Czech lands, yeah. uh, Dragon Skull Summit and, and their friends, which I think makes allied colored mana just straight up better than it was, Yeah, uh, especially sure. in combination with the Cyclone lands. What we are losing that is a really big deal are the Battle for Zendikar man lands, yeah. um, which put a huge dent in enemy colored decks' ability to make their mana bases really work. I mean, you do have the enemy colored dual lands like Highland Lake and that sort of thing uh, from the welcome decks, which perform the same mana fixing job as the man lands, but the power level is just so much lower that, you know, something like blue-red control the mana base is just worse, even if your lands are doing the exact same mana fixing, because you don't have access to Wandering Fumaroles as a payoff for playing a land that always comes into play tapped. Right, um, right. So, you know, it, I would love to b try out, like, a blue-red tempo deck, mm -hmm. but you've only got Spiral Bluff Canal and nothing else, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's something that, that really needs to be worked around. Um, decks that are abusing some of the more powerful lands in the format, are able to get away with a lot more. So Teamer Energy's mana base is still there entirely. So any uh, Attune with Ether deck still has access to pretty much whatever colors they want to play with. And then any Artifact deck still has Spire of Industry and is able to stretch their mana because of that. But if you're not either green or doing one of those energy or artifact things, then it's going to be really tough to be either an enemy color mana base or an aggressive deck that's more than just two allied colors. And even right. that is kind of tough because you have lands that are coming into play tapped. Right, yeah, for sure. The mana bases are definitely going to be interesting, and I think that that does have an impact on what color combinations are playable. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we lose any color combinations because of that. I think that, like, the teamer mana base is still very much intact just mm -hmm. because of a tune with Aether and Aether Hub. I think that those kind of like give it the tools that it needs. And yeah, some artifact strategy is probably still going to have the spires. But yeah, outside of that, I think that that's probably going to be probably something that people need to focus on when thinking of Bruce. Mm -hmm. Is your mana going to be able to be functional in your three-color deck that's running, what is it, shards or... Yeah, shards and wedges. wedges. Yeah. Uh, and I think shards are stronger now and wedges are a little tougher than they yeah. were before. 
yeah, definitely something to be on the lookout for when kind of brewing up your new stuff. The biggest culprit I've seen of these like lazy or non-working mana bases are these dinosaur decks that I've seen people brewing up that have just been sort of like full-on Naya with the white one drop that makes dinosaurs cost one less and then has like green and red cards that they want to cast immediately after that. And I think that you got to be really careful with what you're doing with these cheap cards. If you're going to be three colors, it's it's going to require some some very difficult decisions to be made. Even with a card as powerful as like Commune with Dinosaurs, um, right. which I just can't help giggling at the time when they say it. But yeah. I mean, that could be sort of an attune with either kind of card in uh-huh. that deck. But it's not as powerful for fixing... It's not nearly as powerful for fixing mana as I mean, a tune. five is a lot to look for a land. It is you a know, lot. You should probably see two lands and have the option of what color you're looking for. Right. But having one basic planes in your deck doesn't automatically... Right, yeah. It's not to... It's not the same as search your library for the one you want. Yeah. Definitely. Your, your deck is probably going to need to be chock full of dual lands in right. order to make this card that much more effective. And that seems like it might be awkward for some color combinations for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just a matter of finding the right balance of the check lands that, that come into play tapped at the right times. And Yeah. Yeah, mana bases, I think in standard, like whenever rotation happens, start off a little more clunky as people start feeling things around. But by the end of standard, I think people just kind of like find where you're really trying to be for, for mana bases. I think that Wizards has done a pretty good job of making sure that we have the tools necessary to make it work yeah and then the one thing that really stands out about the lands that we do have access to is it is pretty difficult to build an aggressive mana base that's more than one color just the dual land the the basic dual lands that we have you know you're going to have to run cycling lands in order to make your dragon skull summits really work and in order to have enough dual lands that can be a little bit awkward i don't think it's impossible but Mm -hmm. i think it it lowers the value of one drops slightly yeah, uh, if you're more than one color. Right. Um, definitely. And Attune with the Aether is just going to be harder to cast, I think, Yeah. on turn one if you're running a bunch of the, what is it, the green-red check land. I mean, you still have Botanical Sanctum, which is a pretty big deal for that. But... Right. And, and I mean, Game Trail was not a great card anyways. Yeah, right, yeah. So, know. I think it'll for be sure. just fine. Yeah. You know, maybe Attune might be a little more often um, like a turn four play along with like another three drop or something yeah that's very possible i think i think teamers mana base will still be among the strongest oh for sure format yeah you know not that teamer needs any more help (laughs) it does not and it may have gotten some so uh right i think that you know we can definitely talk about that and kind of the decks that we can that we're expecting to see week one uh i think the the number one deck on my list is definitely teamer energy yeah Team Energy was already running almost exclusively Kaladesh cards. Um, it is a block-constructed deck. For the most part, yes. We're losing uh, the Manland, right? Right. Lumbering Falls. Which was a, a one to two of, depending um, on your list. Yeah, which was, you know, not really that big of a deal. But other than that, the deck is very much still intact and was already pretty much the tier one deck. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, into this new format where it's... I, I can't remember the last time... We've had a rotation, and the like. The deck to beat, the tier one deck, just hasn't changed at all. Didn't lose a single spell. Right. Maybe a sideboard card or two, depending on what meta you were preparing for. But the main decks right. are are 
totally intact. Big Chandra, I guess, is the loss, but at the same time, Zombies is gone, so right. why would you need to play Big Chandra? <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't. Yeah, you yeah. use Radiant Flames up at the sideboard, but again... Zombies is gone. Zombies is gone. <laughs> right. And you get that, that pirate uh, Kozilek's return kind of thing. Oh, yeah, right. So, not totally gone. Yeah. So, right. So, Teamer, I would not be surprised to see a bunch of Teamer mm-hmm. in, in Dallas. Yeah, so. it also benefits from being very well-tuned, and the new decks are not going to be well-tuned. You know how many, you know, energy producers you need. You know that you like Servants in your deck. You know you want Whirler Virtuosos because of Mono Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and having so many man-hours of experience put into the deck means that it's at a, a high percentage of its capability already, whereas, you know, any dinosaur decks are not going to be anywhere close to optimized yet. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the biggest deal of we're probably eventually going to find a deck, hopefully that's kind of kind of competes on that level. I think at least for the for the week one is what I'm trying to say is yeah. is we're just not going to be there. I don't think. I, I, uh, I think I it takes a little longer for the hive mind to compile all of those things. Right. What do you think about Ripjaw Raptor in Teamer? I, that that's been the main you know new card that people have been talking about for that deck. Ripjaw Raptor is the... Is that the three mana? No, that's the 4-5 the that draws you a card when it's dealt damage. Oh, right. Yeah, that card... I think that'll need some experience just kind of like playing with that card. People were talking a lot about how it like synergizes with Walking Ballista and like you can draw a bunch of the cards that way. But I think that my card might just be good on its own. Yeah. Big body. It's got big toughness. All the primary removal spells right now are damage-based. Right. So, and it's just a little bigger than that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see that being able to fit in there. The problem is the the it's competing for the four-mana slot in Teamer, which is taken up pretty solidly by Bristling Hydra. Yeah. And Bristling Hydra is one of those cards that people have tried to replace, but it's just too good. Yeah. <laughs> and, so. and I would be concerned... Your turn three play is your four drop, and you're relying on that to do some work against Mono Red, and they play On Crop Crasher. You, you want that right. four drop to yep. not get On Crop Crashed. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at, at least for week one, a Mono Red versus Teamer metagame, yeah, a Teamer, like the the one card that you definitely need to have against, team, against Mono Red as Teamer is Bristling Hydra. It's just like the one threat that can block Hazoret sometimes when you need it to, or uh, just like not be targetable at all with the can't block abilities, can't die, just kind of does everything that you want it to. And, and that in combination with Whirler Virtuoso kind of gives you that critical mass of cards right. you can see yeah. in your opening hand that you know are going to keep them from immediately killing you. Right, right. Yeah, and I think those are the two cards that definitely make that matchup good enough. Or, and like very much positively in your favor, I think. Yeah. And and I don't think that the Raptor is a bad card against Mono Red. Right. Um, you know, really, the Crasher is the only thing that makes it not fantastic against the deck. Right, right, right. Um, but that may be enough that you would rather lean towards the Hydra. Hydra can be a very dismaying card to be on the other side from in a way that I'm not sure that Raptor, you know, in non energy decks, certainly Raptor. It is a great four drop mm-hmm. in, in the energy decks depending on the format i would probably lean towards hydra first yeah i agree for sure 
And so, so red is the other deck. I mean, right. you know, we, we've been saying that, but I guess we haven't said it explicitly. But it, <laughs> it loses nothing. It gets an upgrade. It upgrades. I think it, it does lose some one drops. That's the, the, that's the, true. The two one, but we're also getting another one drop. Right, rigging runner. Yeah. So one mana, one one first strike raid. If you've attacked with a creature this turn, it comes into play with a plus one plus one counter. Right. So so probably like yeah, we are downgrading from Falcon Wrath Gorger to some other one drop. Um, and that is legitimate. Yeah. However... Worse on turn one, I would say, but arguably better on yeah. a, a later turn. For yeah. For sure. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess that probably is part of the problem is that you, you're definitely looking for turn one plays. Right. But any play on turn one, any one drop that you make on turn one, like, gets the benefit of it, you made it on turn one. Right. And it like often doesn't really matter what it was as long mm-hmm. as you have that one drop. Right. Getting in that damage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so so yeah, like we do downgrade the one drops a little bit, but the entire format is slightly powered down, mm-hmm. except for team or energy, including losing a lot of the cards that are really good against the deck, including Grasp of Darkness and and those cheap white removal spells. And, and then, you know, the burn spell gets a, a pretty huge upgrade in my opinion from incendiary flow to lightning strike Mm -hmm. and having that instant speed burn that can go to the face is you know can only be a good thing for the deck definitely so you know these two decks are very powerful survive almost completely intact and you got to be ready for them yeah yeah and then kind of uh, one more thing that i can kind of like already see being a potentially good thing moving forward is we talked about a little bit about this card last week on the podcast the blue flip Enchantment? Yes. Yeah, and I, I confuse the names of these. Search for Ascanta. Search for Ascanta, that's right. Yeah. Kind of like synergizing a lot with Approach to Second Sun. Right. Is it like, if a control deck can exist in the format, then that might be something that it ends up playing. Mm-hmm. I think for week one, however, that's probably not going to be as effective. Yeah, that's probably going to be tough. Right. I mean... If you find a way to make it strong enough against Teamer, even after they've boarded into Negates, which you may be able to do by running a lot of Wrath of Gods and, and card advantage effects in stuff like Search for Azkanta, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think Settle the Wreckage is a, a pretty interesting card for the deck. That's the one yeah. that Path to Exiles all attackers. You know, and then the deck can board into Quad Authority of the Consoles, Quad uh, Regal Caracals for the red matchup, it's a possibility, but yeah, I think it's it's tough to make it work right. so early in the format. Yeah, yeah, and then the other kind of like single card that I want to talk a little bit about is so you remember Outpost Siege? Yes, we've got a kind of a new Outpost Siege. Vance's Blasting Cannons. Yes, I think that this card is very strong. Okay, uh, taking a look at it, it's four mana enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. Exile the top card of your library. If it's non land card, you can cast it this turn. Kind of like a Phyrexian Arena, a little bit, drawing mm-hmm. an extra card every turn. Um, you don't get the lands, which is a little worse than Outpost Siege was, because right. you, you could get the lands there. But still, I think, very strong. And then it flips over into a land that has three mana tap, bolt something. And it flips when you've cast your third spell in a turn, which is kind of right. tough. but Which can be tough, but I feel like if you're Hellbent, then you just want to be drawing two cards every turn. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a lot of cards, then you kind of like don't need that effect, and then the bolt every turn is just super powerful. Yeah. So I, I really like this card, and I really like how it could potentially fit into post-board Monored and Teamer. 
Yeah. Maybe even in the main deck. Maybe it's a sideboard card, but I think that this card fits pretty well in Teamer if you're trying to like go a little more grindy. Just like being able to you know grind the game out by drawing extra cards every turn the teamer mirrors tend to get pretty value oriented they do like if two people have bristling hydras on the board and they're just kind of staring at each other you know right right. yeah i i think that this card might see a lot of play i think that this is kind of my pick for like one of the cards that people might be sleeping on a little bit okay and yeah Yeah. i mean i've i've thought about this card and talked about it a lot i am not quite as high on it i'm I'm sure it will see some play I'm, i'm sure it'll see a fair amount of play but i i think I don't know, just after playing with Chandra a lot, the not hitting lands is pretty significant. Yeah. Um, you know, when when you need to hit a spell and Chandra hits a land, you get the two damage out of it, but it still is a is a pretty big letdown. Right. Um I don't know, like this seems kind of like sixty percent of an outpost siege. And then yeah. if you do manage to flip it, instead of giving you a, a you know, 60% chance of drawing a spell, it just draws you an open fire every turn, which <laughs> is probably good because the more open fires you have, the better they are because you can just right. kill somebody with them. Yeah. But I, I think it's pretty hard to flip. You know, it, it just like really comes down to, is your matchup grindy enough that you want to be drawing 0.6 extra cards a turn? Right. And, you know, like, with Outpost Siege, there were a lot of turns where you were really happy that it flipped the land. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I think I do think mana. that, yeah, losing that land is definitely detrimental, for sure. Yeah. You know, when you're running a Phyrexian Arena-style card, you want to be hitting your land drop so you can play all these cards out. Yeah. So that's pretty important. So if you're ever, like, stuck on lands and you've got one of these in play, it's not going to be nearly as effective. Right. Like, if you're on four or five lands while this is going to go off, then... It's not exactly where you want to be. No, it's a tough ask. But I, I do think, like, especially if we're looking at just, like, a bunch of Teamer Mirrors week one, I, I do think this is a card that you're not going to be able to... Like, Chandra is powerful for sure, but the problem with Chandra is that it just died. Yep. It's too easy to... Or too hard to kind of, like, protect and make work. Um, and I think this is just a card that you can play out and not worry about your opponent removing it. Sure. In that, in that matchup. I wouldn't be surprised, definitely. I... You know, there was a certain level of grindiness of matchup that the matchup had to hit before mm-hmm. you wanted outpost sieges, and I right. think that threshold is just higher with the blasting cannons. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, anything else that you're excited to see? Kind of like maybe some new sweet decks. Yeah. That you're looking into. Well, so so there definitely seems to be the possibility for blue tempo decks again, which mm-hmm. we really haven't seen in a while. Might be a little bit of a tough ask because they're probably naturally soft to both red and possibly teamer but there's a lot of potential options here whether it's something like heart of kieran with jaces and gideons as three mana planeswalkers that is good to curve into maybe something with favorable wins but certainly like access to spell pierce and potentially opt maybe something like riddle form like there's a lot of tools there's a lot of ways to possibly build you know some sort of tempo-y flyery deck you know there's the two mana uh, pirate mana leak spell yeah. Um, there's Kite Sail Freebooter, which is the the duress on a 1-2 flyer that when it dies, they get the card back. There's just a lot of interesting ways to put a clock on your opponent here and then disrupt what they're doing. Probably takes a format where your disruption is particularly effective. Like, if we hit a point where Spell Pierce is a great card, then I'd be interested in this deck. Right. If I'm playing against Teamer and one drops from red all day, then it's a little less exciting. Yeah, I I can definitely see that potentially being a thing. I do love that style of deck. I think it's pretty rare that something like that 
it kind of comes together. Mm-hmm. I think that we've been like trying to looking a little bit to do that ever since Mono Blue Devotion was a thing. Sure. Maybe. But it hasn't like quite gotten there yet. Right. Maybe it's time. Who knows? We have a lot more tools than we have had. Right. Right. We probably need a friendlier format than the one we're currently predicting for the first couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, right, for sure. Like, yeah, I don't know. That deck would have to have a good matchup against Red and Teamer deck yeah. for it to be for it to be potentially viable in this new format. Yep. And I think that Red decks are typically pretty hard for that style of, like, tempo deck just mm-hmm. because they're just doing a bunch of powerful things very early. Right. Like, one drops is not something you want to be playing against with your Mana Leak deck. So. No, definitely not. So I think that that might be a little hard... I don't know. We'll see. And, and I think maybe one of the things that could... And it might take another set before this happens, but a card like Favorable Winds is a very powerful card, potentially, and I don't know exactly what you do with that. Like, Favorable Winds combined with Whirler Virtuoso, you know, if Favorable Winds is a good card with other cards in your deck somehow, I don't know. It's just a very cheap anthem that could be pretty powerful. Yeah, right. No, I mean, Favorable Wins, proven, modern, <laughs> maybe playable. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that that's, you know, yeah, Anthem Effects is definitely what you want in kind of like a weenie-style aggressive deck. So, you know, potentially. And probably we can't get away without talking about dinosaurs for a little bit. As in, <laughs> as in you know, Ripjaw Raptor, I think, is a really playable card. I think some yep. of the dinosaurs might find homes. But as in, like, a dinosaur deck... I'm, I've still got my, my feelers out for Niasaurus Rex. Yes. I want it to be a thing <laughs> so bad. So um, are we thinking more of a, you know, a ramp shell? Because they, they gave us the ramp. They gave us cheap ramp creatures to sort of make casting mm-hmm. five and six drops possible. So are we thinking something along those lines? Or are we thinking something more mid-range? Yeah, because I did, think there's two different decks here. They did least. give us a few... Like, there's a white one drop that says dinosaurs cost one less. Yep. And there's, I think, a red two drop that says the same thing. Yeah, and you can tap to give a dinosaur haste. Right. So those might be able to fit into kind of a green-red monsters style deck Mm -hmm. where we're not ramping up into, like, huge things, but we are playing... Fives and maybe sixes, sure. Fives and maybe sixes, probably more realistically, like, fours and fives, Mm -hmm. as long as we can get them down on, you know turn three or four yeah like the the two mana dinosaur ramp guy into the the four five dinosaur that we've been talking about yeah um, and i think one the of two these days i remember that, the names yeah, of all these Ripjaw raptor yeah um and, and you're talking about i, I mean there, there's plenty of, of ramp guys but I, I particularly like the two mana guy who becomes a three three as long as you control a dinosaur just because he's a legitimate body once you have a dinosaur out right right so there there might be something there i've typically been pretty underwhelmed with the low cost and cast creatures that say cards of this tribe cost less like in the past those have been pretty underwhelming but maybe there are just enough powerful dinosaurs that we can be casting that it's maybe worth at this point um i don't know yeah and i mean worst case you know you run the guy who taps for mana of any color and and gets bigger when you have a dinosaur and then you run like servant of the conduit or something like that and those you know if you're really worried about your mana right yeah i think those are probably more realistically what we're looking to see maybe mm-hmm. in that kind of like green red monster shell like typically when i say green red monster shell i'm mostly talking about like Early on, you're playing like ramp creatures, and then pretty like you're ramping quickly into right. powerful, hasty threats, yep. right? Um, which we do have. You know, we've got the uh, 
charging monster sword, which I'm very excited about. So maybe that's kind of like the shell where you want it in. Yeah, and I think Registrar Alpha is really the the big payoff to this kind of deck. Because anything cast after the Registrar Alpha is just absolutely insane if they haven't killed it. So um, this is the 5-mana 4-4 four, four that comes into play with a 3-3 three, three token and gives other dinosaurs. Right, yeah, hands. that's that's definitely another one of the big payoffs for sure. One thing that I have seen potentially is teamer colored builds, and I don't know how energy-oriented you end up being here, but Registrar Alpha is incredible with old favorite Sahili Rai. That's just 14 Ooh. points of damage. Okay, um, yeah. Out of nowhere, and you get to keep the extra token. Right, yeah, that's that's fair. I like that a lot, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Sahili Rai might be... Like, if there's enough ETB creatures now that it's just worth playing. Sure. But maybe... I think that the uh, the cards have to be pretty powerful though in order to end like because Sahili on her own is is, is underpowered, very and, very underwhelming, and does not go well with if you're planning your curve to be two drop mana guy, four mana monster. Right, um, there's no spot in there for Sahili yeah. Rai. Right, and if the rest of your deck is full of just like inherently powerful dinosaurs that don't have any ETB triggers, then you know right. Maybe maybe she's just not gonna fit that well with there. Right. If you if you're a, like an enrage heavy build, um, I think one of the huge bonuses of being a dinosaur deck is actually Savage Stomp. If you're running a couple of enrage guys, I mean particularly Ripjaw Raptor, but also you know potentially the the Rampy guy, the two yeah. three that that does a rampant growth when it's dealt damage. But one mana to kill a lot of creatures. I mean, right. especially off of a Ripjaw Raptor, that's yeah. that, that's just one mana for five damage to a creature. And you keep a plus one, plus one counter, and you trigger your Enrage if you've got an Enrage guy. That's a huge swing. And it is definitely board-dependent. You have to have the right draw to make it actually work. But, boy, when it works, yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's definitely potential there. You know, one mana is a pretty great spot to have your removal spells at, so... <laughs> The yeah, the contingency of having your own creature out is it's definitely a pretty heavily a tempo card. You're not gonna want to be playing this card in like a grindy matchup where your opponent could potentially have removal spells up. Yep. But yeah, if you're like trying to curve into it where you're going play this dinosaur, same turn, fight your guy, get in with my other dinosaurs, like that's a very powerful play. Mm-hmm. But if we're if we're going into a late game and you top deck a savage stomp and your opponent's been holding up mana, maybe maybe pretty pretty bad yeah unless you have the uh seven six hex proof can't be countered true trampled yeah that guy play. that guy is pretty good as well um <laughs> that he might be like a top end um of a dinosaur deck for sure or at least a sideboard option against control decks yeah he's um, very difficult for control yeah. decks to deal with. He, he definitely fits the bill pretty much exactly for you know we've had cards like him before like gaia's revenge thrun style cards of just like uh, sphinx of the final word was i think the most recent one where it's just like yeah, well, control really can't beat that card yeah. as much. you know. And he's also got six toughness to survive our devastation. Yeah, he pretty much only dies to fumigate. Yeah, right. So And, and settle the wreckage. Yeah, and if, if, we're, if our read is that white really isn't where you want to be for control decks, then this guy all of a sudden is just looking really good. And you can't even chump block him either. You know, if, if you're right. some, some sort of control deck that, you know, is relying on, I don't know, like World of Virtuoso or something like that to get you there, I, I, I don't know what the control decks are going to look like. Yeah. But... The servo deck if there's a tesseret deck or something like that like this dude is not manageable for that deck right yeah and you know if you've got your dinosaur down that says other creatures you control have haste then if you're playing this guy out after that guy 
that's that's a lot of damage. Pretty pretty hasty. That is your a opponents. lot yep. of damage. Yep. Yeah, Registrar Alpha into him seems pretty good. Yeah, and that's that's a thing that I really do like about Registrar Alpha is that it splits its power and toughness into two creatures, so you get value no matter what. But mm-hmm. the body, the four four body, is a must kill because right. giving your dinosaurs haste is terrifying. Yes. For sure, definitely something that you're not going to be playing against. Yep, and, and yeah. if you if you play this and they hardness lightning it, and you still got a three three, that's not the worst deal in the world. So right, definitely something to look into for sure. Like one of the dinosaur decks I have brainstormed is more of a white green base. Okay, because those one drops are very very powerful against mono red. So both uh, the sun caller, the one white zero three that makes dinosaurs cost one less. Right, and the the one white mana 1-1 one, one, that at the beginning of your upkeep reveal a dinosaur card from your hand. Uh, gain two gain life. Two life. Yeah, yeah. So, I solid. mean, either you trade it for their Bomac cur- Courier or you reveal a dinosaur from your hand. These This build is a little bit tough mana-wise because you want that planes on turn one. <laughs> yeah. So that, that definitely makes everything a little bit more awkward. But I think the payoffs might be there. We have not had a one mana mana accelerant in a long time. Uh, Wizards has sort of taking that toy away from us as yes. too powerful for standard. There's some interesting threes to ramp into. Whether it's Death Gorge Scavenger, which I think might not be good enough against Mono Red because it dies to shock no matter what else it's doing. Uh, right. And that's pretty lousy. But the 2-3 that ramps you I think is interesting. And the 2 and a white 2-3 flyer that makes their creatures come into play tapped. If you ever start a game 1-mana 0-3 and then 2-mana two 2-3 two, flyer that makes their creatures come into play tapped... You, you've really put the red deck on the back foot. Um, right. If they don't have the, the removal spell for that guy, then they're in a lot of trouble. If they do have the removal spell, then they're not threatening your life total, and you've untapped, uh, and you're able to cast now a four drop on turn three. Right. Yeah. So, I think, and then the other, there's another three that is worth mentioning, maybe not against Mono Red, but the Rampaging Ferocidon. I agree. The, uh, the three mana, three, three menace, players can't gain life. Whenever another creature comes into play, deals one damage to that creature's controller. Probably actually pretty bad against Mono Red. Possibly good in Mono Red. Possibly A, good in Mono Red, and B, maybe something to play on turn two after playing the white one drop. Yeah. Against, you know, trying to get under some other mid-range deck. If right. You're, if your plan is to play, like, one very powerful threat every turn, then this guy makes uh, Whirler Virtuoso look pretty silly. He does. I think a lot of the dinosaurs... Make World of Virtuoso look kind of silly. Yeah, uh, just trample, a lot of have trample or yeah. draw a card if they're chump blocked or right. So that's actually a really interesting tension that we'll have there. Is is you've really got to run World of Virtuoso in order to have a good matchup against Mono Red. But yeah. if you know if this dinosaur deck or any dinosaur deck is a thing, I think cards like World of Virtuoso are pretty much bad across the board against the cards in this deck. I mean, that's probably a good thing for the format. That's. The- I think so, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely be very excited to see a deck like this have legs. Yeah. Because dinosaurs. I mean, dinosaurs. come on. <laughs> I think there's too many cards for it not, for there not to be some dinosaur deck, and I think there's a bunch of different ways to build it, so there's several places the format could go where a deck running lots of dinosaurs is a choice that you can legitimately make. Right, yeah, for sure. Also, who doesn't want to commune with the dinosaurs? I, I, I mean, every dinosaur deck I build is going to start with four commune with the dinosaurs, and I'm g- going to be yeah. 
And I don't know what it looks like to commune with a dinosaur. I guess you like hold their big head in yours and like, put your forehead up against them. But I'm, I'm picturing some Game of Thrones scene. Maybe those are dragons, but yeah, you know, same idea. Jon Snow and some some dragons, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it though. I like it a lot. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So I guess we've got this last section here, our uh, top five cards from Ixalan that we're excited for. Yeah, and Chris and I have both secretly selected some cards in here that we're excited for. Uh, probably going to be some overlap since I don't know what his cards are and he doesn't know what mine are. Maybe. But, but yeah, why don't, you, why don't you go first? Yeah, since mine are the top line. Okay, so my number one is just Jace. Oh, uh, okay. I, yeah. You know, I don't know that the blue tempo deck is there quite yet, but I just think that this Jace is very powerful for a, a three-mana planeswalker mm -hmm. uh I, he he can take it up to four he's great following a riddle form or a heart of kieran on turn two and i think one of those things is probably going to be a thing uh at least at some point you know he makes tokens to defend himself they have the the tokens are technically illusions but they would have to spend a card to kill it and construct it yeah and i i think it's easy enough to get into his ultimate uh, and then just kind of go crazy with looting and making tokens and stuff. I, I'm very excited to see what this card does to the format. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're trying to make, like, a blue tempo deck, this, this is, is exactly what you're looking for. This, this is why I want to make a blue tempo deck. Right, so this guy with, like, you know, some, some, like, good, efficient creatures. Yeah, I mean, you know, then you really start kind of taking things out of control for sure yeah and the blue planeswalkers have not pushed us in this direction before mm -hmm. so it's cool to see that on a yeah. three mana planeswalker yeah for sure my second one is actually kite self rebooter okay um, i i think this card does a lot of interesting things um again in another like kind of weird tempo deck that might be pushed out at the beginning of the format by red and teamer sure um but i think just the combination of Number one, we have lived in a standard where we don't have information about our opponent's hands. Knowing what is in your opponent's hand is just a huge thing that we haven't been able to do in a while, and I'm kind of excited to cheat that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, he turns on Raid, he takes their removal spells, he lets you know what their plan is so that you can make your plan around that. Um, if there's a favorable wins deck, I want this guy in my favorable wins deck. I think it's a good card. Yeah. Not a lot of flying guys in the format to keep him from dealing his one damage a turn until they find an answer to him, and then hopefully the card he took is less impactful at that point. Um, so I, I think he's good. And then here I've got Opt and Duress, which I'm just going to sort of group together as powerful one-mana spells that... Yep change sort of the face of standard into a, a different kind of thing where you can you can goof around a little bit you don't have to have all of your spells be expensive board impacting you know three plus mana cards that do a lot of things on the board we can trigger prowess at instant speed or we can look at our opponent's hand and take a card or just interact in ways that and have control over our draws in ways that we haven't been able to so i'm excited for that yeah definitely last one is search for Ezkanta. <laughs> these are not my five cards that i think are the most powerful in this a lot side. of blue cards over here though there's a lot of blue cards <laughs> yeah it is almost entirely blue cards or cards that are probably going to go in a blue deck right i i think search for Ascanta is quite powerful i just think that it gives a blue deck a different dimension from what it's had before uh you know it's tough to play a planeswalker in sort of this slow controlly blue deck so the only things you're doing are whatever spell you're casting on that turn. Uh -huh. Here, getting that scry a turn just is giving you like a little bit of extra value, and since you're stretching the game out anyways, that can add up over time. And then obviously, once it flips into a land, 
that's a lot of potential value. And we'll see if the loss of the removal spells makes it really tough to build a control deck that would benefit from this. Yeah. But if there is one in the format that that is reasonable and is running this card, I don't think it's going to be overpowered, and I think it'll be a healthy addition to the metagame. Yeah. But we'll see. That's, you know, yeah, those I mean, are famous last words. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that it finds a shell at some point. And I think it will. I think it's inherently powerful enough. Yeah, definitely. I, and if you're just if your plan is just to keep Rathenum over and over again, then you have time to cast this thing on turn two, and that's that's really where I'm excited to play it. Right. So I I also selected some some top five cards. I think that I started off with one that just for some reason just really hits home for me, which <laughs> is uh, the Charging Monstrous. Okay. Okay. Um, I probably should have guessed that. Yeah, I've been talking a lot about that card. I just I'm very excited. People I think are a little skeptical, but I think that this guy is where it's at. Yeah. Especially if we can cast him early in some dinosaur rampy strategy. Sure. Not not like dedicated ramp, but just like mana dorks or the dinosaur cheap cheapeners. Yeah. I don't know what you want to call those. Well and um, if if there is Right, if there's a deck that decides that it wants to be dinosaurs but not have green, it's still got eight ramp guys. Yeah. Um, Which is pretty crazy. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. But, yeah, I think green is definitely going to be part of where you want to be for dinosaurs, Most from what I can time. see. But, you know, who knows? The other card that I'm excited for, kind of just more of a sweet one than anything else, it might not be very powerful, but Rowdy Crew, okay, it just looks awesome. It does. And if, if anything, I'm most excited about playing this card in Limited, just because if you could choose to Ancestral Self and then... Have to discard two cards at random. I think so ancestral that, and then him to Turok. Right, himself. ancestral and him to Turok. Then I don't know. I, I just like have no idea like yeah, how on you? average that's going to play out. I probably would most of the time. <laughs> I don't know. And but like and then the potential of this guy being like extra big. I, I don't know. Something about this card just makes me smile. Yeah, is a four mana five. I I mean like if four it mana always a five five trample. <laughs> then yeah. it's like almost big enough for standard. I guess maybe. Yeah. Right. And I, I have no idea if this guy is, is standard playable at all. But he just seems sweet, and yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with him in some context. Maybe just limited. Like if I if I could pick one card and then I'm gonna open in the pre-release this weekend, it's probably Reddit Crew. Yeah. I will say I may have mentioned. This this on the podcast before i do feel like it's a little bit of a miss flavor wise because it's mythic and I, I feel like there's more than like a couple of rowdy crews on Ixalan. oh yeah point. right definitely probably a lot of rowdy crews going on but this rowdy crew in particular knows yes. knows what's up <laughs> yes <laughs> the uh the third kind of um the third most excited i am for card is uh, actually carnage tyrant i really like those the big powerful threats that your opponent just like has a lot of trouble with mm -hmm. um you know i was a huge fan of bristling hydra mm -hmm. i played a lot of that card in standard in both black green energy and in teamer energy and just definitely had a lot of fun with that card carnage tyrant probably less powerful than that card but still for moving from an energy shell into a dinosaur shell then you know mm -hmm. this is you probably want at least some of these in the sideboard maybe yeah and I, I don't know i just i just really enjoy that kind of like big powerful can deal with this threat yeah definitely and, um, and where cards like bristling hydra are like strong cards that are good in most matchups like carnage tyrant may not quite hit that but it solves specific matchups in a way that bristling hydra might not right my next selection is actually, I combine these both into one card a little bit. Just kind of, they do similar things for me. Dress and Spell Pierce. Sure. Those are cards that both are going to, I think, make the format less Planeswalker heavy. Yeah. 
Um, they're both very good against Planeswalkers, and I think that we've definitely seen a relatively large portion, at least maybe in the recent past, of uh, Standard just being dominated by powerful Planeswalkers. Chandra, Gideon, Vehicles also mm-hmm. um, get hit by these. Heart of Kieran, stuff like that. These two kind of together just like give every deck, it feels like, a tool to be able to combat those very effectively. Yeah. I think that Spell Pierce, if it sees a lot of play, is going to make playing Heart of Kieran much more difficult. Because if, if you go, you know, if your opponent's on the draw and they just go, you know, island to go and you're trying to jam your Heart of Kieran, it's probably going to be pretty rough for you. That's true. And that is maybe a knock against the Blue Tempo decks in that. They will be good when Spell Pierce is good because mm-hmm. they have Spell Pierce. Yeah. But the way that I'm envisioning them, Spell Pierce will also be really good against them. Right. That's, yeah. So, like, for example, Jace yep. is probably going to be tough to resolve. Yep. But yeah, just that, that whole concept of like maybe Standard is now moving a little bit away from Planeswalkers again. Yeah. Uh, is, I think, what I'm more excited about. And then my last pick for cards I'm excited about was Opt. And Opt, I guess we're taking a little break away from Standard now, kind of looking more towards Modern a little bit. Potentially could see play in a Storm Shell, mm. which I think could be cool, and kind of like a new... I, like, I'm always excited about cards breaking into Eternal Formats, sure. and I know that there are definitely some Storm players who are excited to test it out in the like the Fetchless Caleb Share versions mm-hmm. that play a bunch of cantrips. I think Opt is just kind of like... Maybe not as good as Serum or Sleight of Hand, but like definitely in that conversation a little bit. Yeah, and kind of, you know, one of the ideas behind that deck is that it doesn't run Fetch Lands, number one, because it doesn't really need to, the mana is fine. And number two, after you've put four or five cards on the bottom of your library, you don't right. really shuffle your library yeah. anymore. And so there may be a critical mass of cantrips that is higher than the currently available cantrips that it actually wants to be running in this Right. This may be what you want. Right. So I think that that could potentially break into modern, which is always exciting Yeah, for me. So, yeah, those are my picks. Cool. Well, yeah, it sounds like we got a little bit of overlap, but where I just went with more blue cards, you kind of <laughs> found some big red monsters. Yes. <laughs> Give me some big red monsters. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely pretty pumped for Opt in, in modern as well. Just having an instant to go with your Snapcaster Mage, as, as we've talked about before, is so much better than having a sorcery to go with your snapcaster mage. yes absolutely <laughs> right yeah and so right and maybe snapcaster made snapcaster decks have now the potential to just have that option just to play a more instant speed style so who knows yeah who knows that is probably the best way to sum up <laughs> you know right adding some cards to modern losing four sets from standard and bringing one in who knows who knows but we're gonna try to predict i mean I think the main takeaway right now is be ready for Teamer, be ready for Mono Red, and if that means playing one of those and understanding your mirror match, that's that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll see what develops. Uh, would be very surprised to not see a dinosaur deck at some point, just the number of these cards and the power level is quite high. It seems like it, yeah. Um, but I'm sure that there will be decks that we have not predicted, and... Yeah, it's exciting. These are exciting times, and I'm pumped to pre-release this set, too. Oh, yeah. Pre-releases are always just kind of near and dear to my heart, so I'm, I'm excited to go out and, and play some of those this weekend. Yeah, hoping to uh, get our friend Sawyer out and maybe do some Two-Headed Giant. Oh, yeah. So Excellent. When we went to uh, DC on day two, somehow yeah. managed to show up early, and the PTQ was full, so Sawyer and I just sat down and played Two-Headed Giant and tempoed our opponents out in a pretty disgusting way <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so 
So yeah. trying to repeat that experience, I think. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Toyota Giant is definitely a blast for sure. I mean, it's terrible, but it's fun. Well, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about competitive formats, no It thanks. is not one. But, uh, but you know, sometimes you got to take a break from that, uh, which is, I think, definitely something that I did kind of past weekend in Louisville. Is yep. that I, I, I made the conscious decision to play just a sweet deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did. Yep. And every once in a while, you just got to, you know, have some fun with it. You know, this is definitely like a grindy podcast, and we definitely focus on like the the more competitive aspects of everything. But at the same time, you know, don't lose focus about don't lose the the fact that you you know you just love this game and want to have fun with it. Yeah, like keyword is game. Like this is still a game, right? If you're not having fun, you you need to reevaluate. <laughs> yes, right, for sure, absolutely. But I'm ready to have some fun with these pirates and these dinosaurs. I'm yeah. pumped. I think it's going to be good. Excellent. Um, All right, I think that's all I've got for this week. Yep, yep, me too. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.